0: Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth, with your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabrisky.
1: Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen. I'm here with my co-host. You know him as Rod the Pod. The Brisky Rod, what is up, man?
2: Hey, I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I couldn't be better, Rod. Like the sun is shining. It's like 16 degrees outside. Like, what <laughs> else could I ask for?
2: Beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's good <laughs> to have some sunshine, though.
1: It is good, good to have some sunshine. Okay, Rod, I'm excited today because we've got some fun announcements, right? Yes, we got some really fun announcements. The first one, this is really the big announcement. The big announcement, Rod, is that we will be holding. A virtual summit on May 4th, Mm -hmm. and we're calling it help me out, Rob, the Alternative Wealth Building Virtual Summit for High Income Earners.
2: You nailed it. Woo!
1: I got it. Well, so it's so it's named kind of after our tagline, right? If we Mm -hmm. we call ourselves the wealth building firm, the alternative wealth building firm for high-income earners, Mm -hmm. this is a virtual summit for those people. Yes. Weird, right? Okay, so here's the cool part. We've got a really great speaker lineup that I'm very, very excited about. Um, and might grow a little bit from here, but but let me just tell you who we have so far. We have a uh, good friend Buck Joffrey, and he is going to be doing a talk with his buddy, Ken McElroy, who's mm-hmm. also a Rich Dad advisor. Um, specifically, he's Robert Kiyosaki's real estate advisor. Okay, um, so that we have Buck, we have Tom Wheelwright. Most people that know Buck will probably know Tom Wheelwright. He's, uh, what would you say? I, I mean, he's obviously a really well-known CPA. He's an author. He has a he has a prolific podcast. Like Tom's kind of all over the place doing, yeah, doing a lot of the-
2: stuff. Especially in this world of alternative investing and real estate and that kind of thing. He's yep. That's where he shines because he is just so knowledgeable about all of the the, the, the tax kinds benefits, of things. Right? Obviously the, the kind of tax reasons why you would want to invest in alternative assets.
1: Exactly. Okay. So Buck, Tom, Ken, we have Adam Carroll. He's gonna come talk to us more about the shred method, which by the way, is I see it over the place. It feels like it's blowing up more and more hmm. people are catching on to the value proposition. Um, and then finally, Rod, we're very excited to have Sharon Lecter who co-wrote rich dad, poor dad with Robert Kiyosaki. So yeah. those are at least, and then of course we're going to have you and I, so Rod and I will do a combo talk at the, as well. So that's at least the initial speaker lineup. Like I say, there could be a couple others, but either way, Um, we're really, really excited about the people that we have so far.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've been uh, dreaming of this for a long time. So it's nice to see it come to fruition. Yeah,
1: it's nice to have it finally coming together. Okay, so really excited for that. Keep your eye out for more information. We'll have an early bird special that we send out. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably like a client special we'll send out, that kind of thing. Really, the focus is to get um, the right people coming and less about, Making money from the event, right? Mm-hmm. We're not trying. To, right. We're not trying to make money from the event. We just want. We just want to add value to people. Okay, so everybody, keep an eye out for more information coming out on the virtual summit. Okay, Rod, let's get into today's topic. So today's topic is an interesting one, and it actually kind of morphed a little bit. So mm-hmm. when we first started talking about it, we're thinking okay, what are some of the questions that people are commonly asking and giving us? And one of those is like, where do I invest during a recession, right? So mm-hmm. we kind of expect that next year, this year, I should say this year is likely to be a little bit slow from a from a market growth perspective, right? Yeah. And many people are are anticipating that it's a recession. Okay, so we were thinking, well, let's let's talk about the things that we would invest in during a recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the starting point was. Well, as I was kind of building out the, the podcast, I came to this realization, Rod. I came to a conclusion about myself. Okay. And that is this. I don't invest any different during a recession than I do any other time. Yeah. Now, let me be clear. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to give financial advice to a group of people. So we are not attempting to give financial advice to a group of people, right? Yeah. However, what we are going to do is Rod and I are going to pull back the curtain a little bit on our own financial world and just talk about the things that we do. Where do Rod and Christian put their own money? So it's instead true. of talking about recession style, we're going to and okay, so There's a couple other things to keep in mind. Um, Personal financial advice is obviously personal. And so even though I invest in a certain way, um, and obviously I would buy into and feel confident in all of the things I'm doing, it doesn't necessarily mean I would tell somebody else to do the same Mm -hmm. thing. Okay. Do you remember, Rod, I have this, I say I have it. I got it. I don't know where I got it, but I like it. The saying and the question, Rod, is who's the boss?
2: You're the boss. <laughs> no, no, I'm not the boss. <laughs> Situation is the yes, boss. Yes,
1: yes, good. I, I was checking. It's been. It's probably been a few years since I like brother, but the I remember this talk, Rod, and it was so good. It was by. Now that I think about it, it was by some. Oh my gosh, I can't think of their names now. But 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 they came in and it was like a management, like teaching people how to manage and develop yeah. new advisors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but their their big saying was the situation is the boss. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like resonated with me because that's that's oftentimes the case. Yeah. So just as is the case with financial advice, the situation is absolutely the boss, and we have to give, we would only give recommendations based on. An individual's personal financial situation. Okay. Now, with all, so that was kind of like philosophical, but mm-hmm. also um, a way to just emphasize that today is not about us giving personal financial advice. It is about sharing the things that we do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. That said, Rod, let's start. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take turns naming the next item, the next Mm -hmm. investment classification on our list. And then when I have one, I'll cross it off my list. When you have it, you'll cross it off yours. By the end, we'll have gotten through both lists.
2: Okay. That sounds good.
1: And we're going to talk about obviously what it is. And we're going to talk a little bit about why. And if you have any thoughts as to why you might do it now versus what you were thinking then, like all Mm -hmm. of those things are game but I think the idea is to just share what we do, why we do it, and hopefully give people ideas so that they can um, find what really works for them.
2: Yeah, I like it.
1: Okay, Rod, here we go. Can I do the first one?
2: You can. Can I just give some context on mine real quickly first? Yes. Uh, Because I have a number. So I have one through eight. So they're numbered. And the lower the number indicates the earlier I did it. So I did them in order of when I started investing in these things. So you can also see the evolution of, of kind of where I've come from. And it's probably not unlike a lot of people's, but I just thought that would be interesting.
1: Yeah. I like that. That's a good idea. So you're saying that you're, what did Rod invest in in his youth Mm -hmm. up till what he's investing in today? Yep. Okay. Well, I did not do that. Mine is just a hodgepodge of the things that I've got going on right now. Okay. Sound good. Okay. Okay, Rod. Do I get to? I get to go first. Sure. Yeah. Oh man, I am excited. Thank you. Okay. Number one on my list, and I've got a whole bunch of it, Rod. Life insurance.
2: Life insurance. Okay.
1: Hey, do you have that on your list, Rod?
2: Oh, it's on my list. Yep.
1: <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. Life insurance. I was going to say it is not an investment, and and the truth is, is like it depends on the strategic. Um, emphasis of what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. obviously when we talk about using the investment optimizer, the policy is not the investment. It's a, it's just basically a holding place for cash to get a decent return and tax benefits and that kind of yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And then of course we get the cool benefit of being able to um, invest, you know, do the two places at the same time thing. Um, but it's not the investment. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, when you talk about the capital avalanche or other premium finance type situations where the focus is creating income in the future, then it's hard to say that that's not the investment, right? right?
2: The vehicle. We're using the vehicle combination, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so anyway, in that situation, that's what's producing the return in uh, the investment optimizer. Obviously the returns coming from likely coming from somewhere else. But we have the we have the benefit of knowing that if we hold cash there, we can feel a little bit better about it, which, by the way, is really nice in a time like today where um, investment opportunities are not as plentiful as they've been over the last decade. Yep. Right. Where you could just like throw a pin and find, you know, find a syndication that was had a strong return. Mm -hmm. That's just not the case anymore. You have to be yeah. uh, more careful. Okay, so Rod in the life insurance space, I've got basically every kind. Okay, I take that back. I don't have anything in the variable universal life world, but I have lots of cash in whole life insurance, hundreds, several hundreds of thousands of dollars in whole life insurance. Um, not as much, but um, at least a couple, few hundred thousand dollars in IULs mm-hmm. and um, I'm trying to think of, I mean, I use term insurance too. So like all of those things are really valuable. The only one that I don't have and actively use and really value as much as variable universal life, but even that has a place. I just don't use it.
2: Yeah. And say, okay.
1: Okay, You're the same on that. Okay. Okay. So number one rod for me was life insurance.
2: What do you got? Okay, that's so. That was number seven for me. Just to put it in my, ah, in my nice. Thing. Okay. Um, but here's what the way I think of maybe some of the things you're saying there with the life insurance, because my number one was just cash. Okay, okay. so mm-hmm. I was taught as a kid to to save money and put mm-hmm. it in the bank, right? Yep. Earn. I mean, you know, it's not much there, but it's cash. Um, which surprisingly, we talk to people who don't carry a lot of cash. And it, it always amazes me. And and maybe it's because, well, there's this, uh, I don't know, if, we don't see it very often, but, we, but, but we'll but we see it from time to time where someone will say, well, if real estate is the best place to invest, then that's where I'm putting all my money. Or if yep. gold or if whatever, right? We hear, we hear all, all kinds of different ways of people doing that. or in, Or in their businesses, right? They're so focused on building their business that they don't, do as much with even keeping you know cash reserves on hand. Um, so that's my number one. And I think if I mean I, I just think everybody needs to have some level of cash reserves, not just on your personal side, but if you're a business owner and you're in your business, uh, if you invest with within you know the LLC or whatever where you're doing your investing, uh, because things happen, things go wrong. Um, sometimes you, you just need cash quickly. And it's, it's critical.
1: Mm. Yep. I totally agree. We carry um, plenty of cash in the business. I have more cash than I'd like to admit, Rod, um, to be totally honest. Well, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. So I'll, I'll save that for later, but from a cash standpoint, cash is important. And um, while you could use like your policy primarily for moving, it's just not as practical as having actual cash. So, even if you've got the policy, so here's kind of the way that I would recommend people could think about mm-hmm. this hold maybe six months of cash, like just liquid cash, your income or something like that, um, in just the bank or wherever, right? Not worried about the interest rate, you're just worried about having it being there when you need it quickly, mm-hmm. um, and then. After that, if you still wanted cash, liquidity for other things, then that might be the place the place to put that would be in your investment optimizer, even if it's just like you're holding pond for a rainy day fund or something like that. Because obviously yep. that produces a better result than just leaving it at the bank. Yep, but anyway, absolutely. so I agree with you though. Cash, cash is king, Rod. That's what they say. Got to have cash. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, so you went with your number one. I Okay. Do you, look, you should do the next one.
2: Okay. Well, my number two is individual stocks. Mm, and okay. as a, as a youngin, uh, I, I decided to invest in some, and it, I mean, let's be honest, it was like penny stocks. Like I wasn't, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But, and you know, my, my parents taught me and, uh, that, that you, you can only, only invest what you feel like you can lose. And uh, so, you know, I felt like uh, that was a a good approach for a teenager who's putting money into individual stock, true of almost anyone, right? Obviously, you don't ever invest in something and want to lose the value, but in certain things going into it, just understanding the risk. And again, especially in in this kind of category of stock, um, you just have to accept that's a possibility. Only put money in there that you know that, that you're okay with losing.
1: Okay. That's good advice. Now, I would not... Good advice. I wouldn't say... We're not giving advice, are we? Sorry. But those are good thoughts, Rod. I would say this. Don't do penny stocks. So don't follow Rod's lead if he was on the penny stock world. But individual stocks, I still believe... Oh, good. Thank goodness, Rod. I'm just (laughs) kidding. I I still believe that individual stocks have a place. And I carry individual stocks. So anyone who's listened to the podcast for Mm -hmm. longer time knows that... I talk about that. That's how I prefer to invest in the market. And my reasoning behind it has more to do with feeling like I have at least some um, control in by becoming like educated mm-hmm. and understanding things by studying a company, you know, understanding basic economics. I can at least make what I believe are educated um, educated guesses, I guess, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. educated assessments on and determine which of those I think are good. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. I have, I was just pulling up some of them that I have. I have, I have a, about 40 individual positions Apple, Amazon, Disney, DocuSign, ooh, Lululemon, Microsoft, Netflix, Peloton. Do you know Peloton, right? They're that exercise company. Okay. Twilio, okay. Zoom. Um, Snapchat, Shopify, Starbucks, Roku, Redfin. Anyway, those are the kind of companies that I've invested in. And honestly, I picked most of these right before the, so right as the pandemic kind of had been started, but like mm-hmm. right before the market just like went crazy, uh, it took a big old jump. Yeah. Um. So I was lucky, fortunate enough, lucky enough to catch the front end of that but has since obviously dropped quite a bit. Yeah. But, but anyway, I still believe as I look at those, that those are good companies that will likely be more valuable in five years from now and 10 years from now than they are today. Now, individual stocks are not a good idea if you're wanting to use it as like a, an income source, right? That's probably not um, the best way to do it in that situation. There's probably other strategies that make more sense. But in terms of just a place to grow money, I think that individual stocks have a place. Um, I would say for me, it's maybe 5%. So it's not a lot. Yeah. So, but, but there's some, there's at least, you know, a couple hundred thousand bucks. Okay. So we've been through so far life insurance. No, one's going to be surprised that that was at the Mm -hmm. top of my list. Cash. Okay. We both had cash on there. We both we went through. What did we go through last? Individual stocks. Individual stocks. Okay, my turn. Real estate. You got to have real estate. Okay, so this one's a little bit tricky because there's a lot of types of real estate, right? right. Like you could go. It, it's kind of like stocks, right? There's and maybe we could have gotten into that, right? There's different types of individual stocks too. Like you could be focused on um, large cap defensive stocks and that, Like there's all sorts of ways to sure. do it. So we were generalizing, but. Um, and, I shouldn't say, but, and real estate is very similar in that mm-hmm. way. Right. So some of the ways that I've invested in real estate, um, I, I have a couple of, well, I guess I have kind of three individual, like single family homes. Mm-hmm. um, And to be totally honest with you, I didn't intend for well, only one of them was intended to be like an investment. The other one mm-hmm. I just moved out of and it just ends up ended up becoming a rental property, yeah. basically. Gotcha. Um, but, Rod, I do, and I'm going to get into this as I talk through a couple of my, this is some bonus for the end. I'm going to talk about Christian's mistakes, like okay. places oh, wow. where I went wrong.
2: Okay.
1: Um, but anyway, we'll, maybe we'll get into that in a minute, but. Real estate, Rod, lots of ways to do it. I definitely would today focus on things like multifamily and commercial, like triple net lease. Those are places that today, if I could find even decent deals, I would feel confident and comfortable putting it in as a long term play.
2: Okay. Well, that is two of the numbers. So I mentioned I have eight, and two of them were real estate because I did break it out. The first one, number five. Uh, was was my primary residence, and I say that knowing full well that Robert Kiyosaki says your primary residence is not an asset. No, nope. um, and not an asset in the sense that he talks about where it creates cash flow because it does not create cash flow for me. However, I was just thinking through the 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 trail of. <clears throat> so I bought my first home in in about two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Paid about one hundred forty five thousand for it, and okay, uh, let's see one two three homes later um, with mostly trading straight across like when we sold a home and we bought the next one we were mostly buying same value um, but now uh, I looked up in in Zillow and, and our home is now valued about five hundred forty thousand so that's a lot different than 145 yeah over whatever. over 22 years um, you know it's not bad and as I looked in at some of them like in some of those time frames, like from our first house to our second house, we saw like a 20% gain over two years by the time we bought and sold it. Yep. So. It's
1: been it's been a hot real estate market, Rod. It was a good time to own real estate over the last decade in basically any form, right? Yep. yep. So yeah, okay. Okay. That's uh that's so the that first was, one.
2: So that was number five. And then number eight is multifamily, specifically syndications.
1: Okay, so you got um, you've gotten involved in the syndication world a little bit more. I know it, but I have not. And can I just tell you this is one of my mistakes. But we'll talk about why here in a minute. Okay, okay that's good, Rod. So we've been through life insurance, real estate, individual stocks, and
2: cash. cash. Yep.
1: Okay. Okay, my next one, Rod, precious metals. And I have to be honest, specifically gold. And my reason for that is because I recently put money with uh, ITM trading. We had Lynette Zhang on, Mm -hmm. um, who I thought gave a really good overview and passionate um, and compelling message related to all things um, gold and precious metals. But as I was doing some due diligence and meeting with them and like reading through information, getting a better idea, of the precious Mm -hmm. metal market. Um, I already knew enough to be dangerous, but this kind of gave me a chance to dig in deeper and uh, basically came to the conclusion that these rare coins are the most effective place to have money. And so primarily gold and, Rod, from a historical perspective, while uh, gold has really held its value during recessions specifically, Mm -hmm. in fact, gold is known for having gone up generally during recessions, and that's not necessarily true for like silver. Silver has um, has lost a little bit of value. Mm-hmm. It hasn't like hasn't like dropped huge. But they gave an example of over the various recessions, it was at like a negative ten or negative fifteen, while gold through the several recessions was like a positive eight or something like gotcha. that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, for those reasons, Rod, I decided. You know what? I should hold on to some actual gold. Now, the one thing I haven't gotten yet is a safe to hold the gold.
2: Oh boy, you just said that live.
1: I was just thinking that, <laughs> oh great, I'm going to have people from, <laughs> since there's probably nobody in like the, you now. there's probably a handful <laughs> of people in the state listening um, That's great. but uh, the audience is across the country, don't come and steal my gold and I have a safe on its way, FYI. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, I did. I included precious metals as well. Okay. Talk and about yours. as I was as I was thinking about it, I was surprised myself to remember this was number three. So the only two things that preceded this was were the cash and in those individual stocks. When I was in college, I got some some gold, some tenth ounce. Nice. coins uh and Wrong. and still have those so
1: were you a conspiracy theorist is it why did what compelled you to get oh, those okay. at this that state this that is getting a little
2: embarrassing life. but there was actually a an MLM okay where they were propounding the value of of owning precious metals and especially gold and so we my um i had a friend that that got me involved with that so i was as a part of getting involved with the company you you, you have you to buy a little buy the product gold. right okay. so yeah i had some so you were in gold a
1: gold mlm i didn't even know yeah. that there was such thing uh
2: there is everything lm mlm okay, you're right everything
1: yeah i guess i just i hadn't i'd never like run across anybody like there's a you're right there's a lot of mlms okay so but you um, mentioned you'll
2: talk about mistakes that the mlm part was a mistake getting the gold was was gold's not Gold's been okay has yeah, it increased in value been, yours Oh yeah, over the years, like say that was that would have been in about 1997 or something. So, so, so it's been it's been a lot been a of years. Of You've
1: that. been holding that for a long time.
2: Yeah, and I've, I've bought more since then, and and okay. you know silver as well and that kind of thing. But anyway, that was my uh, that was my starting point for precious metals.
1: Okay, I like it. Gosh, Rod, before <laughs> before any like man, she's just early on. Um, that that reminds me of like the people that that you talked about it, who get onto one asset class and they just like it now I'm not saying that you were doing that, but it's just funny to have that be like your starting point. I need yeah. to invest gold. Gold's my best. Yeah. Um anyway, but that that's fun. okay, so uh we talked about gold, rod, I have next on my list. oh, I have individual stocks, but I also have mutual funds, okay? Um, people might ask why in the world would you, you guys talk about how crappy that kind of stuff is. Um, but if you listen to us, you know that I always say like, there's a place for these things. So the place that I have that is in my deferred comp 401k. So some of the companies that we do business with will, if at like certain thresholds of production, they'll start putting money into other places for you, even if just, just cause that's what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. So as an example, um, There's, you know, there's a a growing deferred comp plan that I don't have any other options. I, my only option is to invest in the handful of mutual fund portfolios that they have for us. Mm -hmm. So in the, in that situation, I just generally go aggressive and let it run its course.
2: Ah, Aggressive. All right.
1: Go aggressive. And really that's how, well, I shouldn't say that in my individual stocks, I'm not like ultra aggressive. I'm more with like large cap growth companies. And so here though, I'm like, okay, my, my deferred comp, I'm the whole reason it went there is because I don't want to pay taxes on it. Mm -hmm. So I don't plan to take it anytime soon. Might as well just like let it roll and see what it can do.
2: Yeah. And you're doing, you're doing conservative things with a lot of these other things, conservative, meaning cash, longer term, -term, all that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I included. Uh, that on mine, qualified plans and stock okay. market. Okay. I got my start uh, a little sooner though. And I've, I've talked about this on, on the podcast as well, but in my very first job at a, at a college uh, you know, the HR director sits down and says, you need to think about your future. So I was in the, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty close to the 0%. You're, tax like, bracket, right? you're like, like,
1: I just <laughs> bought some gold. I'm thinking of my future. Thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, but it was the worst time to be setting money aside pre-tax because, I mean, I say 0%, we were, we we had negative, yeah, we had the the three kids, maybe four kids at the time. And so, (laughs) yeah, we were getting, we were getting tax tax refunds. Yeah. Putting all that money aside at that time. So now, uh, then during the 2008 scenario, when I was self-employed and and needing cash, I actually cashed a bunch of it out. So it was actually literally was the worst time to put it in. (laughs) And then end up having to take it back out. And gratefully, you know, we, we were still in that low tax bracket situation. So, so like I, I paid a lot of it. tax on it, but I had the penalty, right? You 10% penalty. penalty to get my money yeah.
1: back. So that's tough. So it was okay, bad, so advice, bad advice. Yeah, that is bad advice. So if you're young and have low income, that is not, I repeat, that is not the time to set aside into qualified plans. Now, I will say this, Rod, there is one benefit to that. And that is that you were actually saving. Mm -hmm. So to be fair, you did save money that then came in, came and became useful for you at a future point. It just would have been better if you saved it elsewhere.
2: And I don't think they had this option, but a lot of companies do these days. They have the Roth option. So that's Uh, what I've told my kids. If they're at a place where they're being offered, especially if they're being offered a match, I'm like, well, still take advantage of it. Just make sure it's on the Roth side. Don't don't do it in the pre tax side.
1: And we could get into the whole Roth versus traditional debate but again just going off the premise that most people believe taxes are more likely to go up or be higher when they're retiring in the future well for that reason you probably are better off paying the taxes today and then never paying them again here's the other thing there's like there's more control confidence like there's strength in that position mm-hmm. you don't have to feel like you're in complete um, cahoots with the IRS. Right? right. So anyway, I think that's a good point. Uh, and,
2: and sorry, in addition to that, I also yeah. have a Roth account that I started when I was in college as well. So,
1: okay, nice. So I, and I'm with you, I've got the, I've got a traditional and Roth 401k, and these are all, These were all started for me. Like I didn't start any of these. They're not related to money insights. They're just because of production from the businesses that we work with who put money in them for us. Um, I probably, I say probably, I wouldn't because I haven't. um, I would not uh, try to set a lot of money away uh, on a tax deferred basis Mm -hmm. right now, even though I have a high income income. Um, I just don't feel like at the end of the day, that's going to end up being more valuable. Right. So I feel pretty Agreed. comfortable with that one. Uh, okay, Rod. So we've talked about that. We talked about Rod. I have on my list.
2: Cryptocurrency. Mm, and I do not. I'll tell you why in a minute, but go ahead and, and t- well, talk about crypto.
1: I don't have a lot of Like, I'm not going to pretend I'm a crypto expert. Like okay. I did a, I did an episode. Um, or we did an episode with John who knows more about the crypto space mm-hmm. and that was fun. It was good to learn more about kind of the, the ins and outs of like regulation. And anyway, it was kind of an interesting topic, but here's my take on, on cryptocurrency, high risk, high reward. You obviously don't want to do any of them And no money. That's going into cryptocurrency should be money that you can't afford to lose. Just mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm period end of story there's no reason to risk it that way yeah. having said that if you're in a situation like many of our listeners who have extra income that that they feel like they would like to be more speculative with i think that cryptocurrency is highly likely to be to go up over time again we've you know we've seen this we've seen it drop and be all over the place over the last several months but mm-hmm. i just kind of my my When I put on like my logic cap or my economist cap, I look at it and say, okay, one, is it here to stay? And I feel like that's almost a certainty. Yeah. And then if it is, is it likely to go up or down five and 10? Like in my mind, it's just, it'd be hard to see a situation where it's lower 10 years from today. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So from that standpoint, while it's speculative, I think there's a place for it.
2: Okay. And I think that everything you said, I, I can understand and agree with. I'll tell you why I haven't. And it's a little bit embarrassing to admit is the whole idea of the digital wallet, the virtual wallet. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's because it's a me thing. Like, and number one, I haven't done enough research to find, uh, you know, just find the place where I could be comfortable and confident in putting it. Yeah. But secondly, just this idea of I lose passwords sometimes. <laughs> right? What, so if, you're I, like, oh, what if I, all of a sudden, could, didn't find my way back to my? To I my can't find my, crypto Bitcoin or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. right. My Ethereum. So that,
1: that would be is... that would be problematic, right? So what I would suggest is to be, um, really crisp in your organization around your crypto.
2: <laughs> Deal.
1: <laughs> and that's ironic coming from me, who's like the least crisp on that kind of stuff. I have to rely on you. Okay, Rod, do you have anything else on your list? I have one more. Okay, so do I. I think I might have, yeah, I have one more. It's probably the same. What do you got?
2: Business. Mm, that's mine. Okay. We've got the business. Yep. So that's number okay, six. Talk about it. And I've talked about a lot of different businesses, different ways uh, that I've invested. Now, when I say business, I, I just want to be really clear. Uh, it's my own business and business that I can directly influence
1: okay so okay. i haven't
2: i haven't invested in like other other people around businesses. me yeah there, I have see been, what you're saying. there have been things that have come up um and i just i'm not saying that i couldn't at some point do that um just at this point my i think uh my focus has just been things that I can control or at least have, you mm-hmm. know, have the influence over it to, to do that. So that's been my approach. And, uh, but I mean, just because of, because that has been my focus. So, I mean, for the last, well, even before we started working together, right. So 15 years, my focus has been building up my own, my own business, having, having that mm-hmm. as, as the big thing that is the, the largest portion of my net worth.
1: Yeah. Without question. So, um the businesses is on my list, and we invest in it in a lot of different ways obviously the the primary investment is in growth, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like growth um but there's you know like you it, you've got to be careful on the business right like the 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 thing you have to be careful of is making sure that everything's not going to the business, yeah, right That's one of the common kind of mistakes that we see people making is. They're even when they're doing well, they just keep putting it back into the business to to keep creating more and more. And while mm-hmm. that seems like the logical and best the best next step, and to a large degree, there's the it, it can be, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there has to be balance, right? There has to be there has to be other things that are balancing out maybe the potential higher risk that you have from your own business.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't put a hundred percent of your individual stock investments into a single stock, right? And yet a lot of people end up doing that. And I'm not saying that's equivalent. Going back to my whole point about control Control. and and all those things, it's it's different. But I I think it is smart. And part of that is also because uh, we see a lot of people who do that. They put everything into their business, assuming that's where they're going to be able to retire by selling the business at some point. And there Maybe are, it just doesn't work out how they right, hope. There are reasons why that may not work out. So while while tempting and while you know if it feels good like you're building something cool and keep building something cool, just don't just don't make that be everything.
1: Amen, Rodney. Okay, I think those that covers my list to cover your list.
2: Yep, that was everything okay. I had.
1: Here's what we had. I'll just do mine because uh, we had all the same stuff. We yeah. had life insurance, real estate, precious metals individual stocks, um, I have like mutual fund accounts slash qualified plans, mm-hmm. crypto, cash, and in our case, our own business. Yep. We covered it all. Yep. And yeah. like I said, my realization was that I would invest the exact same way. I do invest the exact same way regardless of what the economy is like. Now, at least from a philosophical standpoint. So obviously there are things that you know, jump out that you would potentially stay away from or Mm -hmm. or that might be, you know, more intriguing because of a situation. But in terms of like my overall philosophy, I'm usually pretty growth minded across the board. And so, you know, regardless of whether I'm doing this during a recession or whether I am whether it's a, you know, a booming market, I think for me, it's really the focus is growth.
2: Well, and, and I would also say that I think you and I both are relatively conservative. So just in terms of having those cash reserves and all of those different things, we feel the same way when times are good as we do when when the recession or, you know, when the economic conditions are rough. So so that you're, you don't get killed by inflation or you don't get killed by rising interest rates or, or whatever, right? That, that you're diversified enough. And, and you've kind of thought through the different risks that exist with the different classes so that you don't get overly exposed in any one direction. Mm.
1: Rod, th- I don't think that can be understated. Like I've been in both places in my life, right? So I've had a time in my life where like, I was just struggling to pay the bills, like just mm-hmm. trying to get by, right? And it's just so stressful, right? It's incredibly right? stressful. so. What I can say is, um, obviously, you know, over the last several years that's changed dramatically. So but but I guess what I'm trying to say is it just feels amazing to not worry about what's happening in the economy mm-hmm. because of the different places that, that were already invested, the cash, flow, all of the things that we talked about create like this incredible sense of calm so that you don't really have to change if you yeah. now you could take advantage of opportunities right. or avoid something. But in terms of like having to completely change the way that you're doing things, if you've got, if you've got it well-balanced and put together, you really don't even need to. Okay. Yeah. But I did have a couple of mistakes, Rod. Okay. Um, these the, are my the moments we've
2: all been mistakes. waiting for.
1: <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Two of them. Number one, and they're, they're actually connected, but, but um, I think they're both important. So number one, Rod, I I held on to way too much cash for way too long. Okay, okay. so there's a reason for it. So it's not like it's just it's totally illogical. But let me just explain. So, um, well, I won't I won't give a, I won't give actual numbers, but just again from like a high level there's a bunch of cash sitting in the bank. I have two objectives. Well, I shouldn't say that maybe I have three objectives, but obviously objective one is to make sure that the, the family is taken care of. Like everything's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're good. The second thing was to invest and grow the business um, and to invest and grow in general. But then the third one is that I wanted to, um, I still am looking to buy a new house, which I know sounds weird because anyone who's listening to this knows I just moved into the, I guess it's been about a year and a half since I've Purchased the house that we're in, um, but this isn't the final house. We're we're still waiting to jump to the next one that we are likely to build. Right. So now that said, the challenge is Rod. You in order to to take advantage when you find the right situation, you've got to have plenty of cash on hand. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we carried cash and. Just have realized that like we carried way too much cash, and probably over the last couple of years could have been doing more with it. So it's basically opportunity cost, yeah. right? Yeah. So so that was the first thing, and then the second thing is is I I feel like I relied too heavily on myself. In other words, another investment that we kind of wanted to go down was was I wanted to go um, start doing more general partnership stuff. In the syndication world, I didn't mm-hmm. want to go in as a limited partner. I wanted to go in as a general partner, right? Yep. So for that reason, I wanted to carry plenty of cash so that we, so that you know, we could put some of our own money into whatever deal uh, you know we were putting together. Um, anyway, so both of those meant that. I'm sitting there socking away cash. Now, the good news is, is life insurance. I feel good about socking away cash into life insurance. Mm -hmm. The problem I have is that I didn't have enough life insurance capacity to, I could put a few hundred thousand dollars a year into life insurance, but I needed more than that to to Mm -hmm. put away, right? So it just ended up building up. A lot of it ended up building up in cash. And now as I look at that, um, it's frustrating because I realized there was opportunity costs that I probably could have taken advantage of, um, had I, you know, just went ahead and done it instead of waiting. And now there's not the same deals to it. So, so like, even though I like the idea of doing it, it's more difficult to place the money in the types of things that I want to, right. We're seeing that all over clients every day. Tell us like, Hey, if you find deals, great deals, let us know we're looking for deals. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of, you know, where I've been at, but, but again, you know, they're, they're, is an intention to buy a house relatively soon. So I probably don't want to put all of it in a, you know, lock it up in a five year, seven year syndication either. So anyway, it's a balancing act, but I think I did a poor job with my balancing act.
2: Well, I, I would say, and I tell this to people all the time when we're having these conversations about, you know, how much put in the policies, et cetera, et cetera. I would say if you're going to fault on one side or the other, faulting on the side of too much liquidity (laughs) was much better than if you ever found yourself without enough liquidity. Cause that's a challenge.
1: Yeah. That's, that's one that you can't like having too much liquidity is, is a first world good problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I do realize that having a bunch of cash is not like, it's not woe is me. It's -hmm. just a situation where it could have been more effective and efficient potentially. Yeah, um, But I agree with you 100%. If you're going to err on one side, uh, definitely not on overly over leverage because that results in, you know, financial yeah. ruin.
2: Yeah. Or, or you become the opportunity for somebody else who's looking for. Uh, oh good, yeah. They're you know, going to come be-
1: bail you out and be, yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. You don't want don't, that. So no. you want it to be on your terms. Okay, Rod, this has been fun. Is there anything else you want to hit on?
2: Uh, maybe one last thing that I, okay. um, Real, you know found or not found i mean it's been around for a while tribe vest okay the most recent Talk about uh, multifamily syndication uh, that i'm that i'm doing uh, i'm doing through tribe vest and i think it's pretty cool because uh, number one one of the reasons i wasn't participating in as in as many syndications up to this point is that the the minimums uh kind of force you to limit
1: how right. many, right? Yeah, exactly. They, Some of them have, have higher, a, yeah, have yeah. higher
2: limits. Okay. So, um but with Tribe Vest, you could take the same. So, for example, the one I'm investing in, the minimum is a hundred thousand. But inside of Tribe Vest, with the other investors, I don't know how many we're going to end up with, but as long as as a group we come up with more than hundred thousand, then we're good, right? We form hmm. the LLC. We all we all kind of fund the money together, and uh, and so I can feel like I'm getting the diverse diversification that I want without over committing on the, on the minimums.
1: Hmm. Okay. That's interesting, Rod. Why didn't you invite me?
2: Uh, it's a great question. <laughs> uh, All right. we, we can talk about it.
1: <laughs> um, okay. So those are, I think that's good advice, Rod. And uh, like, like you said, we're kind of, we're pretty conservative. We're maybe a little bit boring. But, mm-hmm. um, but the things that we do work. We're confident in them. In them, they're efficient. They're tax efficient, right? So, like yeah. the the path is really pretty simple. Doing these kinds of things will get you where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, especially again, if you're someone that has a high income, and it's just a matter of placing the excess capital in the right places, it's, it becomes uh, the method to grow wealth actually becomes relatively easy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The snowball grows.
1: Okay, it's been fun. Thanks, Rod. Thanks, everybody, for
0: listening. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.